Welcome to Figures in the Dark, the podcast where we tell stories of all things murderous, paranormal, and terrifying that go on in the dark. My name's Tori. My name's Taylor Shay. Welcome back, guys. Hi. We haven't recorded in a hot fucking minute. Yes. So like, we're going to have speed bumps all over again because yeah. this is not our yes. routine again, or we're and, not in the flow yet. Yes. And uh, Des, like I said, um, has been down for the past couple of days recovering from a surgery he got. It's all good. Very euphoric things for him. Um, I don't want to like, you know, really say what it was just in case he's not cool with it being in public um but he is very very happy very very excited he is just he looked at me after mm-hmm. surgery and he went this is going to be life-changing and he stopped himself and he looked at me and the look at his face he was like this is already life-changing mm-hmm. and when i tell you i've been holding in tears because this man is so happy and so mm-hmm. just like feels like himself finally like it just it makes me so fucking happy so and he's recovering so very yes. well yeah he's doing very 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 well, well. He's doing yes. very good. He's very, um, very dependent right now on me. For to, he can't really move his arms a lot. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm there's sh- a lot of pain there, but mm-hmm. still healing well. Yes, he's healing very good. well. He's, you know, he has drains and they're kind of a pain in the ass. But you know, it's he's doing well. He's not, you know, in too much pain. I think the highest has been since he's been home has been like a six, and that was at like two a.m. when he wasn't when we kind of mm-hmm. lapsed on on meds mm-hmm. for a little bit so he's doing really really good so you know i'm, I'm no people who know us who know me me and him mm-hmm. you know i'm sure even some of Tay's friends and family like they're aware of it as well we appreciate all your support i have had a huge outpouring of people from not only his side but also my side um a lot of my coworkers have been reaching out a lot of my friends have been reaching out you know obviously you know tay has been she was a huge support during the day because i was freaking the fuck out i like missed a call from the surgeon mm-hmm. and i texted her i was like oh my god what do i do and she's like it's okay if mm-hmm. something was wrong they would have called you early they would have kept on calling you it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay so i just want to give a big support thank a big thank you to you because you've been of a huge course. support through it and it was you know how nervous i was and everything yes. went very very well which i'm very happy about so with that being said mm-hmm. we also had to rearrange the pod room not like drastically but we were using this as like a dining room table for me and des for a little bit because he can't move his arms really he, he has mm-hmm. to sit kind of higher up and the pod table is kind of the closest thing we have to a dining room table yeah. in our apartment um but yeah we're finally back recording um mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a little sched- a little scheduled out for episodes, which is good. Um, but we're doing, I think we're starting to enter a era, I think we talked previously, where we're going to try to talk about um, victim-centric stuff. Yes. And more DV-heavy, Absolutely. You know, stuff like and that. And I wanted to give a shout a quick shout-out to my brother, who actually sent texted me an update on a previous case. Oh, okay. So hold on a second. Let me find that, because it was a beautiful, much-deserved ending to a fuckhead. Oh, good. So... If anybody has listened to our um, Dr. Klein episode Ooh, with yes. the fertility doctor who mm. was assaulting people without yes. their knowledge. Medically raping them, essentially. Yes. Me- performing medical rape by using his own sperm to mm. create children without mm-hmm. the knowledge or, or consent, consent. Yeah. of those mothers. Mm-hmm. So at the very end, I talked about a doctor from New York City who was mm-hmm. also being sued. So New York... Uh, New York fertility doctor accused of using own sperm dies when hand-built plane crashes. Hell yes. yes. So fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. So Dr. Morris uh, Wartman, 72. Wait, Wartman? Wartman. Hello. Yep. 72 <laughs> years old of Rochester was a passenger in an experimental aircraft that went down on Sunday in a pasture uh, in Orleans County. Mm-hmm. So he is 
v dead ski love it fuck him love it and literally like it was so funny to me because my brother sent this and it was like that's the universe giving a good fucking reach around i love I was it like yeah the universe said die fucker he was like i thought that you needed to know the new ending of that story i love that I'm like well this is beautiful because that is how that story should yes. end well speaking of old people having babies i found out on wednesday when i was in the hospital waiting for Jessica to get out of surgery <laughs> that al pacino who was 83 is having his fourth child with his 29-year-old girlfriend. That surprised me none, because it was recently um, Robert De Niro, I think, just had a baby. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Des was recovering from surgery, and he like within the first 10 minutes of me seeing him out of, out of, out of the operating room, or like mm-hmm. he was out for a couple hours, but like, once I saw him, went back to the post-op room, I was like, do you know Al Pacino's having another fucking kid? He was like, with who? And I was like, his 29-year-old girlfriend. And he made a very valid point. Like, yeah. why are you having kids at 83? Because think about it, even if that, even if you live to be 98, your yeah. kid's only going to be 15 when you die. Yep. Like, that's... A shame. very traumatic thing to do yeah. to a child and also i mean good for that woman get your fucking bag because Al yeah. was fucking rich exactly i was like i have no like people always want to shame gold diggers and i was like no no you know i what? praise gold diggers i do too the only as time as... i the only time i don't is yeah. when it's a situation like we talked about with the um mm-hmm. abby chung i think it was yes uh, like in a case like that Choi, where it's yeah. choy yes where it's very um like you know family gold digging yes. I hate that shit. and then who harms the person like i'm not supportive of gold digging if you kill an undeserving person yes. to get their money or if you cut out their original children from other marriages agreed yes yeah unless yep. they're really bad people yeah of course like, definitely because that's also why like i don't care what anybody says i love anna nicole smith I don't give a shit. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I um well speaking of also, I know this is a long <laughs> intro, but speaking of like juicy shit, the documentary about the Duggars comes out today. Oh my I'm god. So I'm so goddamn excited. excited. I literally was laying in bed last night with Des and I was I, like we have like a Google calendar <laughs> we use, I think I've mentioned it before, and I was I put it on there and he's like because like the day of it'll say like what the next yeah. event is and the next event it was like yesterday it said like no events for the next 24 hours and yesterday at like midnight he's like dugger doc drops he goes why'd you put that on the fucking calendar i said because i'm so goddamn fucking excited because i want to watch important. it and what do you mean and, this is and, culture and jill jill dillard is writing a book a tell-all i am about, so excited I'm about so the duggers suppo- about tlc yeah. i am literally like yes i'm I'm so so supportive of these children finally coming forward well they're adults but like people who were children during this this child this child because there is i I mean i have noticed that like you know ginger ginger volo i'm gonna say fucking dugger ginger dugger Mm -hmm. she is one of the she was everyone she was what everyone thought because okay i think i mentioned before the duggars are like my guilty Mm -hmm. i feel like we need to have a whole episode about this because i have a lot of background knowledge that's why i'm like am i banned from watching this until you cover or no i think we i think we should watch it and i think we should just have a discussion because i have a lot of background info that you don't have oh yeah no that way i can kind of you know because i have been as someone who grew up, I didn't grow up in the IBLP like cult thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up in a very religious family, but I grew up in a family that was very like we were just modern Christians. Like we weren't like long skirts, modesty, whatever. We didn't really give a fuck about that. But I grew up in a family that, you know, talked about purity culture. I grew, mm-hmm. I grew up in a family that had that. And I was someone who had a purity ring at 13. And when I Damn. lost my virginity, when I was a few years older, I literally felt as if I was the biggest whore on earth. Mm-hmm. Like, it was horrible. And we'll dive more into yeah. that, like, once, you know. And a lot of that, I don't think, was my parents doing. I think no, it was just, just the... the religion itself. Exactly. It's just one of those things that, yeah. you, that you're so... 
we've talked before about like the Madonna versus like the, the virgin. horror yeah, complex. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Mary versus Madonna. Like you, you're, mm-hmm. I think they're kind of one and the same. I'm not Catholic. Yes, Madonna is, well, n- not the person Madonna. Yes. But the figure Madonna is supposed to be like Virgin yes. Mary, like yeah, so perfection. like a whore versus, versus yeah. Virgin Mary, shit like yeah. that. So you know, there's very that purity culture. Um, so you know, I was very into the Duggars, and when I lost my virginity, and I still was wearing my purity ring because obviously at you know 15, I didn't want my parents to know, yeah. you know, that I did that, especially because you know there were always like save mm-hmm. yourself to marriage, and it was never yeah. like a. I have to say, like I'm trying not to get on a huge tangent about it, but like it was never like a you're gonna go to hell if you lose your virginity before you marry. Like it was more of like a I think my parents used their religion as a way to try to keep me safe yeah and i think it kind of backfired because i snuck around more than i should have like i feel like if i had more yeah. of a nurturing like hey come like how exactly. i want to talk Which to my is kids like, i was sitting there telling uh, someone else i was having a conversation about this recently that like me as a parent i don't want to scare my children no. from having sex but i do want them to wait until they feel safe and comfortable yes. with someone so i was sitting there thinking of like because the eighth or I didn't get to go on one, but in my school, we used to have, like, eighth grade field trips, mm-hmm. and sometimes it could be, like, an overnight one to somewhere cool, mm-hmm. like New York City or Washington, oh, nice. D.C., all of that. My year didn't get to go because the year before us got us banned for several years because they kept bringing drugs and alcohol on the bus. I love it. So, we weren't allowed. Yeah. But, so, I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, what if my kid goes on an eighth grade field trip? I feel like the first speech I would have is, like, don't have sex just do mild drugs <laughs> like yeah. if you're gonna be in the hotel room and you're hanging out with your friends if you guys have a party whatever be safe look out for each other don't have sex just do drugs <laughs> like yeah I, I, yeah 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 that, but that's me as a person yeah being like, yeah you are yeah. yeah you're very yeah yes but like so we'll definitely do an episode diving more into that i think we want to watch that honestly i'm down to watch i think we're probably end up watching it sooner rather than later and doing yeah. an episode sooner rather than later because i want to watch this because i have been so involved with the Duggars for mm-hmm. I like I still yes. follow majority of them on Instagram mm-hmm. because I'm just so interested in it's it's more of a morbid fascination more yeah. than like I support you because I think the way that they especially when they were younger like the way that the, the oldest daughters Jana Jill um Jana Jill Jessa Ginger and Joanna they wrote a book together um oh, wow. and it was very about how to be a good Christian girl like <laughs> how to be a good christian young adult and so after very girl defined vibes yes okay so i got that book and i read it i remember literally sitting in bed crying because i wasn't like them after i lost Mm. my virginity because i felt such guilt so i do want to talk about that but i also want to talk about you know after watching the documentary like how ginger was kind of the one we expected to be the 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 rebellious child because she was the one who was wearing like pants and shorts and open toe shoes before her sisters yeah yeah but in reality jill is the one who like she's sending her kids kids to public school she's been married to her husband for how many fucking uh, probably almost 10 years now Mm -hmm. and they only have three kids like they're very they use birth control they're very like modern they're still christians but they're modern christians they're more of like what i grew up with which is nice um so anyway so that's kind of you know we're gonna yes talk about that eventually but we have and that that kind of that mm-hmm. kind of case is good because that'll open up a lot of discussion about you know sexual assault and yes. and molestation and you know trigger warning that type of shit as well um, as religious trauma indoctrination yes. and cults in it of yes. themselves because I don't care what anybody it says cult. it's a cult yep yep and even some of the former members say it's a cult so oh, yeah we definitely I think we both have a good perspective me mainly because of a religious yes. trauma and b because of my background with the Duggars and then you because of your fascination with cults like you're definitely more yes. of a cult person out of both of us so mm-hmm. um, we'll definitely have to we'll definitely talk about that soon. Um, um, so yeah, just so I'm very excited to, to sit down and watch that documentary because I really, 
really want to support people who are coming out of that. It's the yes. same, like, why I love Leah Remini so mm-hmm. much. And, like, these people who yep. are finally trying to combat what these cults mm-hmm. do to people mm-hmm. and how they devastate a person's entire mm-hmm. life. Yep. There is, that's also why, like, I did watch part of the Hillsong documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I never ended up finishing it. I don't know if I'll get back to it because I think I've kind of, like, gotten all I need from it mm-hmm. information-wise. Yeah. But it's very easy to see how these cults really suck people mm-hmm. in. And, like, one of the things that I thought was so interesting that they really addressed about Hillsong was that Hillsong was mostly being run. And all of the people who were working for the church were working for basically free. Yep. We're volunteering. Yep. So these were people who literally didn't have enough money to feed themselves, mm-hmm. pay rent, do anything. Mm-hmm. And we're donating, quote unquote, donating all of their time to the church. Mm-hmm. And whenever this was ever brought to the attention of the people in charge, they were like, well, if they're good Christians, they'll keep doing this. Or yep. like, why would we pay people? Yeah. And that's something I feel like this, the, 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 I feel like we can have a very <laughs> long discussion about religious cults but yes. between the Duggars, between, um, and how Warren it goes Jeffs, hand in hand Hillsong. with labor exploitation mm-hmm. and why I'm also someone who's such a big proponent of never ever using labor exploitation mm-hmm. like every company that i've ever worked for uh except for the last one did utilize volunteer mm-hmm. labor quite a lot which is something i disagree with highly mm-hmm. and especially with the organization that we yes. met through and that we worked for their answer to everything instead of paying their employees getting new employee or getting more employees onboarding people mm-hmm. Paying people what they're worth, giving people more time, taking care of your employees was always to solve every issue with, we'll just throw volunteers at it, which we had mm-hmm. incredible volunteers. Shout out to Miss Kathy. Love Miss Kathy. Love her. Yeah. But it's exploitation of labor because yes. you're not paying these volunteers. You're just constantly and saying, let's of, just bring in and interns. Of, and some of those volunteers mm-hmm. were almost if not more capable than some of the some of the people who are working exactly so it's i completely as well as like a lot of times some of the vault like especially when it came to interns which is i'm very very against the concept of unpaid Mm, internships i I understand and respect internships that give you credit for school but everybody needs to feed themselves everybody needs to live yep and they were also always doing that that the answer to instead of hiring more counselors Mm -hmm. it was let's bring in interns who and then that also creates a problem (laughs) of you know having these people who are very Mm -hmm. good at what they do and i'm thinking of a couple of our friends who you know who was who was an intern there and you know they were very good at Mm -hmm. what they did um and they you know they just recently got their licensure so shout out to you if you listen probably not but love you proud of you mm -hmm. um but like then you also have this issue of where you have these clients who are coming in and bonding with these interns and in six months they're gone. Yes. So like, how do you do that? Or in six months they want to have a paid position and you refuse to pay them or bring them on. Exactly. So yeah, we have a lot of um, discussions about about these cults, but so we're already 15 minutes in. So let's, we'll switch back. We'll we'll switch switch gears here. Switch back to more of a DV thing. So yes, I, I think I mentioned this. So do you mind if I tell you what, tell them what case we're doing? Yes. So we're doing the Susan Powell case. Um, I was originally, I think I mentioned a couple Mm -hmm. episodes ago i wanted to originally do this because i was at work and as we all know i'm still in the victim services field i'm a safe house advocate and i was talking to one of my coworkers who has been in social work for she's one of my really good friends she's like 15 years older than me so like it's kind of funny that we like get along as what as good as we do she has three kids she's great i love her love her um and so she we were talking about you know the dangers of social work because we were talking about how there was a fist fight in our safe house the one day and you know staff really couldn't do anything Mm -hmm. we couldn't like 
you can't physically no if you hit get, back you're yeah. you're done and you get there's a, one of my exactly. other friends had to hold a client back and she got blood spit in her face because the client Ugh. was bleeding in her face so like it was one of those like you know people don't realize how dangerous social work is so my oh, yeah. my coworker was like oh did you hear about that case with a social worker who 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 the kids got kidnapped from I was like what the fuck are you talking about mm-hmm. and so i was like oh i should t- I have to look at that and then i didn't realize that that was a part of the susan powell case yes. i didn't realize that it was like a like a two-part crime that happened uh-huh. i didn't realize that's what happened so yes. i i talked to tay about it and i went i looked i was like fuck she has it so then mm-hmm. i think we talked on air if i'm not if yes. on air as if we're on the radio like yes. on an episode that you excuse me you have more knowledge than i oh, do yeah. about it so instead of me trying to research it and come from it from an aspect of i don't know anything and possibly miss things <laughs> i'd rather you tell me because you know more about it it's kind of like with the Duggar yes. thing like you're definitely I've, like that's your thing because yes. you know more about it i've kept up with this case for well over a decade Mm -hmm. and have been very interested i i think i heard about it a couple of years after it happened but i do remember seeing i'll talk about it later Mm -hmm. seeing some of the media coverage of the in-law family Mm -hmm. and like what they were saying and doing Mm -hmm. on live like news air Mm -hmm. and how they were behaving Mm-hmm. to the victim's family mm-hmm. in public mm-hmm. and like it it just like sparked this thing inside of my brain that i was like this is clearly dv mm-hmm. this is clearly a murder even though this person has not been found this mm-hmm. is clearly a murder and there is going to be more terrible things that happen mm-hmm. from this and yeah. then unfortunately because like i learned about it right before what happened with the boys happened mm. and like in my young brain, I could see that that's where it was eventually going to go. How old were you when this happened? Because uh, well, she w- disappeared in two thousand and nine. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened with the boys happened in twenty eleven. Okay, so, so you were a good what? F- I was 15? like, f- yeah, I was like fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, so I must yeah, because yeah, well, that makes sense. And like I said before, yeah, I my family was one that didn't really consume true crime like this mm-hmm. so i have no i mean fuck in 2011 i was graduating from sixth grade i was going to middle school so like yeah. i had no wherewithal about any of this yeah i remember this case mm-hmm. i remember it being on the news mm-hmm. so yes yeah, so this case is very it's stuck in my brain for a very long time mm-hmm. and i think this is a really good case to try to talk about how different domestic violence can look because i'm especially with like with the last case we had come out like the mary bailey case that or mary elizabeth bailey there we go that that case of dv was a lot of very physical violence Mm -hmm. heavy we're not going to talk about a lot of physical violence in this case okay we're going to talk about more of the subtleties and the emotional the verbal okay sexual manipulation these kinds of things that that's what Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about yeah and it's still one of those, like, kind of unclear in some parts of it, but it's very clear if you understand and recognize mm-hmm. the signs. Yeah, and I, I think mm-hmm. the case I'm going to do after this mm-hmm. is also very DV heavy. And the one that I'm talking about, there was physical abuse, um, but there wasn't a lot of, you know, coverage about it. Um, it came out a little bit after mm-hmm. the, uh, unfortunately, after the woman's death. Obviously, what, the no. reason she died was very physical. And I, I don't think I told yeah. you how she died no. at all because it's. A fucking doozy um but there was a lot of like intricacies when it comes to like law enforcement and Mm -hmm. like and police calls and 911 calls and police reports that like the i feel like sometimes people don't talk about how abusers can manipulate the system to abuse their victims so which is going to be a great conversation but this one we're very much going to talk about what some of the subtleties look like Mm -hmm. and really focus on 
how important it is to really pay attention Mm -hmm. to your loved ones. Okay. So on the morning of December 7th, 2009, Terrica Powell and Jennifer Graves received a phone call that no family member would ever want to get. They had been called from the daycare of their grandkids slash respectively nephews, being told that the boys had never been came to school that day and that they had been calling both of their parents and hadn't gotten any answer. Mm-hmm. So both were panicked and immediately concerned because this was very unlike Josh or Susan to not answer their phones, as well as uh, not call the daycare mm-hmm. if their children would be absent for any reason. So when police arrived uh, at the home to do a welfare check around 10 a.m., they couldn't find anyone there but saw the family's minivan was gone. So the police called Susan's place of work as well as Josh's, and neither of them had come to work that day either, and neither had called out either. Mm, Okay. So everyone was basically missing from where they were supposed to be, but Mm. there were no calls to any of these places to tell them why. Which sounds like it was very not, not like them. Exactly. Very not like them. Not at all, which Mm -hmm. is why everybody immediately was alarmed. So when searching the home, they could not find any signs of forced entry or a break-in. But oddly, they found two fans blowing on a wet spot in the carpet. Mm, That, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to put my little two cents in right Mm -hmm. now. That was blood. I'm going to, you don't have to say yes or no. I'm going to just put that on the table yeah. for myself to keep. I'm going to put that on the, yeah, you put, put it that on the in table. Your pocket. I'm going to take that. I'm going to keep that in my little brain now. I'm going to put that yep. in my pocket. And I want all y'all to keep exactly. that too. Because I have a gut feeling. Yes. If anything, if anything mm-hmm. from working in the victim services field, doing a true crime podcast, loving mm-hmm. true crime and having a CJ degree has taught me. That's if there's fans blowing suspicious. on a wet spot mm-hmm. and there's no one there, it's suspicious. Very suspicious. Anyway. So in further searching of the house, they found that Susan's purse and her keys were still there. And all, but all, all of the things that she would normally take with her if she left the house were still there, except for her cell phone was gone. That reminds me of the Shanann Watts, how mm-hmm. everything except for her cell was there, yeah. everything of hers was there. Yep. Which is really fucking weird. Oh, yeah. Especially with a mom. If you have mom and you're two oh, kids, yeah. you bring you everything with you. Even yeah. like, no. Yeah. No. no, you have to have everything with you. You have to have band-aids, wipes, I mean, keys, for fuck's everything. sake, we're both, we don't have yeah. kids. We're both like millennial. Well, yeah. I'm not really millennial, but millennial-ish. Yeah. Gen Z. Ha- yeah, Gen yeah, Z whatever. thing. We're things, things that don't have kids. Yeah. We have two cats. But like the bags that we keep, mm-hmm. like if you could see both of our bags, we yeah. carry tote bags. Yeah. Nothing. We have nothing in there but oh, yeah. like tissues and wipes and, and chargers. Notebooks but like and stupid shit. Yeah, but like, but, like we carry yes. shit like that all, all I don't everywhere. leave anywhere without no. my purse or some Mm-mm. sort of no. bag because yeah. you have to. Exactly. Phone, wallet, keys for So the fact that sh- all of her shit was still there, yeah. big red flag for me. Big red flag. So at around 5 p.m., Josh Powell returned to the home with their two sons, Charles, who was four, and Brayden, that was two. Mm-hmm. So when the police let Josh know uh, why they were there and asked about their whereabouts, Josh claimed that he had taken his two young sons camping in the Utah mountains on a Sunday night after blizzard conditions just for fun. But that when they left home, or left home, his wife had been asleep in the house. So when asked why he would take the children on a school night and why he had not called out of work and was a no-call, no-show, he simply said that he thought it was a Sunday, not a Monday. I find that hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Also, what, in what, like, what good parent in their right mind would take your two young kids? I could see mm-hmm. they're, like, 15, 16, because yep. then, like, that's, like, you can do it yourself. But, like, two, a four- to two-year-old into blizzard conditions yep. on a school night. Yes. Hello? And even even take uh-huh. the parent aspect away. Who would do that in general? Exactly. That'll come back around that question. Mm. It's such so a let's, great so fucking let's, let's question. So let's keep the blood, the, yes. the, the, the wet the spot, blood. and then this. And then this question of 
what the fuck are you doing? In our brains. Yeah. Yes. Got it. So, and when they told him that Susan had never made it into work and no one had seen or heard from her, he didn't seem overly concerned. Mm, ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. We have a, we have a, we have a moida. A moida. We have a moida. So they again confirmed with Josh that she had not gone camping with them and simply said that he didn't know where she was. You know, I am telling this to you and also everyone listening, especially if you know me, if I ever say to you guys, I don't know where Des is and I don't, and I seem nonchalant about it. That man is dead. Please. Well, okay. Let's not go that far. Please <laughs> ask me what the fuck is wrong with me. Yeah. Because like, I know my mom, like, even though like my mm-hmm. mom, my dad don't, came from a, like a time yeah. where they don't text all the time. If my mom's like, yeah, like, I don't really know where your dad is. She'd be like, oh, where's your dad? Like, yeah. she knows where he is, even though they don't communicate. Yeah, like, like, if someone came in and asked me, like, oh, hey, where's your dad? I'd be like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. be like, I wouldn't care, because he doesn't text me about shit. I don't know where he's going. Yeah, but, like, you... But, like, if it's your partner, it'd be like, and you live together, or, exactly. like, you're very close. You, you have kids together. You have children together. You've been married for several years. Exactly. You said that she was asleep, which also, are you fucking shitting me that you're gonna take... <laughs> small children's out of a woman's house and you ain't even gonna wake her you ain't gonna did you tell her you were gonna go camping in the middle of the night because because if i woke my ass up and my significant other had woken up my children took them camping in the middle of the night their their other parent would be dead oh, by the time they literally got back. like you like wake, get in the fucking house you'll that wake dead. up mm-hmm. and like pigeon will be in mm-hmm. my room yep like with me and you'll be like where the fuck is where's, my cat where's my son mm-hmm. and i'm like mm-hmm. he came up here himself like mm-hmm. it's fine i do the same thing with powder like you, where is this child you don't take a mother's children away mm-hmm. from her without telling her because yep. i'm assuming if he was a, like unless mm-hmm. it was a previously but even then even if she it's would, a previously discussed thing she, she would, would be awake fall, and she would yes exactly yeah the fuck dog also, Susan seems like a very responsible person, unlike Josh. So why would she allow her tiny, tiny children to be taken camping in blizzard conditions in the middle of the fucking night? Because she wouldn't. Because she was probably dead. Because right. killed her. But before we go any further, I want to back up a little bit and yes. elaborate, uh, elaborate a bit more on the family here. Okay. So Susan Cox was born on October 16th, 1981 in New Mexico to loving parents, Chuck and Judy Cox. Mm -hmm. So when Susan was 18, she was going through cosmetology school in Washington State. And seeing as she was a practicing Mormon, she was taking a course on the religion. So one of the other students in this course was Joshua Powell, who one night invited the whole class over for a dinner party that he hosted. And at this party, the pair met and then fell for each other quite quickly. Mm -hmm. So Josh proposed within a matter of days of starting to date. Which, like we talked about in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and we're we're probably talking about when we eventually talk about the FLDS community, that is not shocking in the slightest. Not at all shocking, but as a person outside of that community, like... I I love love. Mm-hmm. I believe in love strongly, but I think that that's very concerning. You can't just yeah. You can't meet a person and then within days be like, "We're gonna get married." Yeah, that's Do you want to marry me? Be like, married. no, no. They'd be like, I want to run away from you now. That's yeah. A little that's fighting. a little that's a little scary. Scary. That's a little scary. Really scary. But like day two, do you want to move in? Like I know, like U-Haul lesbians is like yeah. the joke. Second date, you bring a U-Haul. All mm-hmm. of that. Lesbians still don't move that fast. No, they don't. No. And if they do, normally they don't end well. Exactly. Yeah. So this is frightening. Yeah. And the pair married on April 6, 2001. Mm-hmm. So, however, unbeknownst to Susan, Josh had had issues in the past with being possessive of his partners. Mm. So his ex-girlfriend, Catherine Everett, had even had to move states just to feel safe enough to break up with him. 
Mm, abuser. Yeah. So while they were dating, he was very controlling over who she was allowed to talk to and wouldn't even let her visit her own family on her own. Mm. He would insist that he would have to go with her. To her family. Love that. Abusive to her behavior. Home. Love it. Big abuser vibes. Mm-hmm. Huge red flags. They're waving mm-hmm. in the wind. So she finally was able to leave the relationship by returning to the state her family was from and called him to break up with him from her family's home as she refused to return to the state of Washington. Oh, I would. Yeah, yeah. So frightened of him. Yeah, I get it. Yep. So that that says a lot to me about Mm -hmm. the kind of person that he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But early on in the marriage, the pair had decided to move into Josh's father, Stephen's home in Washington. Mm -hmm. So, however, this was not the uh, the less stressful option that they had thought it would be. Not long after moving in with Stephen, Stephen began to grow an unhealthy interest in his daughter-in-law. He outright became obsessed with her. He would blatantly hit on her. He would constantly secretly film her. And his depravity did not stop there. He'd follow her around the house with this camcorder. He would also read her private journals. He anonymously posted love songs about her online using a pseudonym. He'd steal her underwear. And he would even use a small mirror to spy on her while she was in the bathroom. I wish you could see my face right now. Yep. That is absolutely Mm -hmm. fucking vile. Yep. And in 2003... Stephen was caught on the audio of one of his uh, tapes confessing his love for her, which she was stunned by and quickly rejected him. Uh, yeah, because you're married to a, she's married to his son. Yep, she's married to his Hello? son. Hello. Yep, he is the biggest fucking That's creep. so fucking I gross. I fucking dude. hate this man more than anything Ew. on the planet. But so due to Stephen's growing creepy obsession with her, Susan was fearful of living with him and told her husband of this and instead or insisted on moving out. So Josh did agree, and in 2004, the couple moved to Utah. Mm-hmm. And by 2005, they had had their first son together, Charles. Mm-hmm. And in 2007, had Brayden. Mm-hmm. So, however, their life was not the picture-perfect one that Susan was hoping for. Josh was overspending horrifically. Mm-hmm. So by 2007, he had declared bankruptcy for over $200,000 in debt. Jesus Christ. Question, do we know if mm-hmm. Josh grew up with a very wealthy family? Uh, I don't know if they were wealthy. I think that they were like fine okay i was just curious because yeah. I, I know sometimes like people if they mm-hmm. have i mean i can speak for myself like yeah. i grew up in a very privileged family like i grew up in a very you know didn't really have to pay for anything and then i got my own job i worked as a bartender had a lot of money and that's why as you know i yeah. racked a bunch of credit card debt mm-hmm. so i was just curious if like you know growing up in a very privileged way sometimes can lead you to not have a good sense of how to spend your money so i, I don't know if it was that or was... just like him being reckless i think he's reckless i think he's an inconsiderate prick mm-hmm. i think that he probably did i think he was kind of spoiled because like it seems like other than when he was in college he always lived in a family member's home mm, makes sense okay uh so yeah. i think he just he's an irresponsible dickhead gotcha okay so and the pair weren't just fighting about money even after what susan had endured with his father josh continued to speak with his father and over time began to side with his dad uh wait side with him being like yeah my wife's hot uh no be like that it was somehow susan's fault (sighs) i love the victim blaming already Mm -hmm. i have a lot of thoughts and i hate this man yep uh he's very hateable already i already hate him and nothing super major hateable i hate him 
I hate Josh and Steven probably more than almost any person on the planet. And, like, here's my thing. Like, it's one thing to, like, have, you know, if I, I've had this happen in, in relationships, past and current, whatever, mm-hmm. where, like, a family member of your significant other does something or says something or, like, doesn't include you in mm-hmm. something and you kind of feel a little weird and that person's like, hey, like, maybe they're just going through something mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, whatever. But, like, I, if, if any of my family members mm-hmm. ever looked at my fiancé and were like, hey, I love that man, I'd be like... You can fuck off. You can fuck off. Fuck, fuck you. Yep. Fuck your family. Fuck your cow. Never fucking talk to me ever again. Exactly. No. Like, I, that's the appropriate response. I have met a couple of people who were in situations like this. They do not talk to this family member ever mm-hmm. fucking again because mm-hmm. they're disgusting and horrifying and mm-hmm. an awful person that mm-hmm. doesn't understand or respect any person's boundaries. And here's one thing. Like, you know, you can yeah. totally think that someone, someone, okay, and what I'm about to say might be a little yeah. controversial, but like... You can think that someone in your family, let's say, okay, not that this is how I feel. Let's say my brother, like, let's say Mm -hmm. his girlfriend, I think she is very attractive. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm attracted to her personality, physically, whatever. That's not okay. But as long as I keep that shit to myself, then it's fine. But it is what it is. You know what I mean? Everyone has thoughts. Everyone window shops. Everyone, everyone. That made a really gross noise. If y'all could hear that, (laughs) I am so fucking sorry. I just drank an extra large thing of Coke from Wawa. Anyway. But like. You know, having those thoughts mm-hmm. about other people is not un- is not not normal. Like it's not abnormal. You know what yeah. I mean? But Everybody the moment but the moment you cross that boundary of yeah. talking about it is fucking weird. Well, this and this is what I cannot begin to understand with Josh in particular. That it's like this person, your father, mm. outright was obsessed with your wife to the point where he was literally spying on her in the bathroom stealing her underwear doing all of these horrific things that these are not the acts of these are the acts of obsession creepy like an obsessed creepy person Mm -hmm. who does not understand or respect other people's boundaries and that this is a dangerous human being because this isn't just like oh my dad fell in love with my wife because like the way josh and steven were making it seem was like that somehow susan was complicit and that she encouraged this as if this was an affair it wasn't an affair as if she was being violated as if she was like walking out and being like uh oops my towel fell steven (laughs) like no not at all no, this person was sticking a mirror underneath Ugh. the bathroom door as she peed. God, that's like shit nasty, like that. Dude. This person was invading all of her privacy. There was nothing mm. she was doing that was encouraging this. She Ugh. was just existing and this person was being disgusting that. to her. Ugh. I that like gives fucking, me the heebs. It's so frightening. Yeah. I could not imagine the amount of terror that she lived in oh, all yeah, the time. Terrifying. She literally had no privacy. This person was mm. literally stealing her fucking underwear, who was reading her diaries. Like Mm-mm. following her around with a camera in her face that's fucking weird bro all the time fucking like weird, this dude. is a terrifying experience Jesus. and he not only continued to speak to him but eventually was uh, siding with his dad and being like oh yeah his behavior was acceptable or like you somehow encouraged this. that is adding to that gaslighting yep being like what are you talking about that's not like a big thing mm-hmm. like why would you make a big deal of it? you're the one yeah abuser oh yeah Big abuser vibes. Big abuser vibes. So tensions within their marriage became increasingly worsened by the winter of 2009. Mm -hmm. Since the money troubles in 2007, things just kept getting worse. Susan began to document a lot of the problems in her journals. So she wrote about Josh no longer joining the family at church, him siding with his father, and their marriage worsening as he began constant or constantly being between jobs. Mm -hmm. So she even wrote that she was considering divorce and had told him so. Josh would then threaten to flee the country if she divorced him. 
So she had even begun documenting uh, what was going on in the house. And on July 29th, 2008, she recorded video footage of damages he had done to their property during an angry outburst. Gee, that's terrifying, dude. Very scary. That is terrifying. And I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes people, and even like, you know, as someone, you know, you and I both worked in victim services. You know, I feel like we say that 10 times and I just always have to say, because you never never know if someone's listening for the first time. You know what I mean? But like something that, you know, me and Des have started watching The Maid when he's here, like Mm -hmm. that, that. that movie about or the short television series about a woman fleeing dv i feel like people sometimes don't take dv when it's mainly emotional and not actual physically hitting Mm -hmm. as serious as they should and and i even say that as someone who worked in the victim services field now i'm gonna be completely transparent like when we're talking about accepting people to a safe house if someone calls me and says hey he just broke a bunch of shit in my house like he's yelled at me he calls me a bitch he like he you know this that and the other i wouldn't accept them to our program yeah because that's unfortunately that's the way it is but that does not mean that they are in danger that does not mean that they are in trouble like it's it sucks. That's just the way the system works, and I wish I could change it. Or that you mean that they're not in trouble or in danger. What? You, yeah, yes. like it means that they are. No, like, like they just, still are. Even even if you won't be accepted yes. to a safe house, doesn't mean you are not in danger. Exactly. Does not mean you're not in. Doesn't doesn't mean. Yes, you, and it means you're in trouble sometimes. Because the best example I can think of of this is with everything of what Susan's going through at this moment. There's no physical violence to mm-hmm. her person. However. Property destruction and someone damaging your property in the attempt to frighten you or while they are upset and puts you in a place of fear that they could hurt you, that is also physical violence. There was one or there is one client that I can think of uh, off the top of my head that did not experience physical violence. But if we did not get them out when we did was absolutely going to die. Mm -hmm. And that was because this person, instead of using physical force against them. uh, Well, actually, there was physical violence there. Now that I remember there was some there. But like what was more dangerous and more telling of this person's state was the amount of control that they Mm -hmm. had to this person about like who they could talk to their own finances, as well as what they ended up later doing was literally trying to take a hit out on them Mm -hmm. like this everything that she's going through at this moment is still very very concerning to me that probably if she had called a safe house i don't think she would have been accepted Mm -hmm. but i can see where the danger is showing yeah and like this is huge flags that what ends up happening what's going to happen and you know i want to put this out there Mm -hmm. because i feel like I get shit on the hotline a lot for being for not accepting people to shelter, even if they got hit once and this shit is happening. Like we get shit for that. And I understand. And I, you know, I don't like that. I don't like not accepting people for that, for this type of stuff. Like it's, it's, we're between a rock and a hard place as service providers. And I'm not shit talking victims at all. Like I'm not, I'm, 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 what I'm trying to do is point out, the flaws the in our systems yes because we only have a certain amount of funding and we can only help a certain amount of people and the fucked up way that dv agencies work and you know as much as they try to be trauma-informed and try to mm-hmm. you know help out as many people as possible in the in reality we only have a certain amount of funding and yes. if we accept someone who is not physically hurt or did not physically get threatened like verbatim me like i'm gonna fucking kill you leave a gun out like shit like that we could be blamed for not taking that next person in yeah if like let's say we accepted someone like yeah. like let's say we accepted someone like Susan who there mm-hmm. was physical destruction of the house there was threats yeah. there was control but then we accept her and then we have no more funding to accept the next person who had a gun held to her head yeah. if she gets killed we're blamed for that exactly and that's the tricky part of being a service provider yes. and that is why 
my job and your past job yeah. are so fucking hard because exactly. you literally have to look at someone and be like, if I were in the situation, I would want to get out too. I would be calling the exact same mm-hmm. way you are, yes. but I can't help you. I can't help you because in the way I that have to prioritize who imminent could danger. be in more imminent danger based off of things that are very high lethality. Yes. And, and, we've, and we've talked before, yes, like in the Marylands of Bailey, yeah. like lethality assessments are not the end all be all. No, they they're very not perfect. Flawed. Yes. And that's exactly kind of where this situation was. There were so many predictors that it was obvious as to what was going to happen. However, which th- that's what I mean by this case. There's not a lot of physical abuse mm-hmm. that is documented to Susan's person, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of huge red flags that shows that this is what he was going to it do. It shows an escalation, but it doesn't yeah. like it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it shows it's subtle, it's it's subtle and it shows, you know, where it's going. But mm-hmm. there's not a lot that people could do about because if you call police about it, OK, that's not, you know, what the, what do they do? Maybe be like, yep. go to civil court, destroy your property, you're married, probably won't say anything, exactly. especially in Utah. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's, it's fucked up. with that Exactly. Case. So this is all what the like the point of why I think this case is so important to mm-hmm. talk about is the subtleties of abuse. Yes. So police later found this after she had disappeared, but things had gotten so bad that in June of 2008, she had written out a hidden will that they, she then put away in a secret safe deposit box. Shit. So in this will, she had also written a letter stating, and I quote, if I die, it may not be an accident, even if it looks like one. Oh, shit. If you ever encounter any person who says this mm-hmm. under any circumstances or write letters that say this please take it incredibly mm-hmm. seriously that actually will come up in the case i'm about yeah. to do next like mm-hmm. if someone says to you he will kill me and you know yep. it's hard to i feel like i got got very desensitized to that in my mm-hmm. line of work because i've been doing it for over two years yeah. now like it's very we hear that on an everyday basis but yeah. when it really comes to it, if someone says he is going to kill me mm-hmm. take that seriously yes. help them out as much as you can and that's not just me saying that as yeah. like a victim service provider to another victim service provider that's me saying that as a friend as a human being a human like, to if, another human. if one human looks at you and says i'm afraid he will kill me it's not and not in the sense where it's like oh he yelled at me i'm afraid he's gonna kill me like in a sense where if she's if someone's yeah. writing letters it doesn't have to be a she mm-hmm. it can be any person of any gender if a person is writing a letter and yeah. hiding it and saying if i die it's not an accident mm-hmm. it yes. take it seriously or if help someone is family. asking you to hide documents or hide mm-hmm. things for them please do that please help them in that way yep if they are giving you letters or saying things to you like, oh, hey, like if something happens, like. And something please. I do want to point out, too, and I watched yeah. a documentary about mm-hmm. this. If someone is coming to you and saying, hey, this person hit me. Hey, can you keep us? Because I know one yeah. of the number one things I tell people for safety planning is if you have a friend, like mm-hmm. if it was like a case with you and I, like if I was in an abusive relationship or vice versa, I would say to you, you are you can get multiples of birth certificates. You yes. can get multiple birth certificates. You can get multiple IDs. Mm-hmm. Do that. Yep. If you have a friend who's willing to help you out, pay the $30 for a birth certificate from, I know PA is like 35 yep. bucks. Have them help you out with that. Donate mm-hmm. plasma to get that. Give them your important documents, at least copies of your important documents. Get a go bag. Get get yeah. two pairs of underwear, two pairs of bras, two pairs of two change of outfits, and buy like a little toiletry kit to go. Keep that at their house. Keep it in yeah. the fucking woods for all I care. Yep. Put it in a trash bag. Hide it somewhere. Do that for do that Tell for them. Even just one person. And if if and someone's have a safety plan, have a code word. If something. someone's coming to you mm-hmm. and telling you these things, write it down. Write it down. Document it because one, I've seen a, yeah. a doc. I think we may yeah. have viewed it together. A yes. documentary that someone was being physically abused at home. She wouldn't call the cops because she was yep. scared, but she would come in. Her coworker would document every yes. time she came with a black eye, and that and was that able, was used yeah. in court documents and in to put him away. Yes. 
so please document these things yes. so that's exactly what susan was doing which mm-hmm. she was documenting on her own which is very scary to do because and I, very sad yes that I because feel like she just didn't have a person too because how to. do you what if your abuser finds that exactly. that's what people always say to me what if my abuser finds it mm-hmm. and i'm like there's actually a yeah. great app that i'll talk a little bit more once we get a little more mm-hmm. in the case because we're already 45 minutes yeah. in but it's called ohana link and it's something that it's brand it's a newer app and it's something that my agency because we won an award mm-hmm. about like our shelter program or something Aww. we have um access to it now and i'll talk a little bit about it like once you know we talk mm-hmm. about resources but it's essentially a, an app that is under a wrap of a game like a coloring game cool. that you can connect with your victim service agency and you only have to you can only use your personal code to access your dashboard Mm -hmm. and your abuser can actually download that same app that coloring app but it is genuinely a coloring app for them like it's they don't they made not only a victim service app that you can Mm -hmm. access through like to an agency and schedule appointments and talk to hotlines whatever and the best part is if you call them through this app it's through an ip it's not through your phone so there's no record of it but they not only developed that but they also developed a genuine game that way abusers can also download it so Mm -hmm. it doesn't look suspicious so like there's resources out there like and i'll I'll post some links information when you know i'll talk more about it when we have when i'm not in the case (laughs) but this is it's such an intense one so this is when we circle back around to the morning of december 6th when Mm -hmm. josh's mother uh seventh actually sorry i got that wrong to the morning of i think the seventh i don't know but to that One same morning, boys. when Josh's mother called the police for a welfare check due to the boy, her to the reports of the boys not going to daycare mm-hmm. that day, and the staff being unable to get a hold of Josh or Susan. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday the fifth, Susan took the boys to church, and when they returned home, a neighbor came by and visited her. So this is would this would be the last time that anyone outside of the house ever saw Susan. Mm. So during the initial welfare check, when Josh finally arrived with the boys, not only did the police find that his story was very odd to take two small children camping in the middle of the night on a school night, mind you, in freezing temperatures Mm -hmm. without their mother, who Josh claimed was asleep when they left. But Josh was by no means concerned that his wife was nowhere to be found. And in the car, they found several odd things. All of Susan's belongings, like I said, were in the house that she mm-hmm. would normally take with her, like her purse or keys, but her phone was missing. In the car, they found her cell phone with the SIM card removed. Mm, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yep. If you ever see someone who has a who has who like has a cell phone and mm-hmm. then they're like, I have no SIM card, they took it, that is a huge red flag because yep. that is the way you contact people. Yep. Watch out for that person. Oh yeah. So which Josh, when asked by police, had no explanation for why not only the phone was with him and but also why the sim card was removed of course yeah Yeah, no answer as well as in the car they found shovels tarps gas canisters and a generator uh bing 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 moida yep some very suspicious things Mm. so as well as when they did a search of the area that josh claimed that he went camping in they found no evidence of a campsite where he described So even more concerning, after doing a thorough investigation of the house, they found that in the area where the fans had been blowing on a wet spot in the living room near the couch, they found drops of what would later be identified as Susan's blood and the other from an unknown male. Knew it. Yep. So police found that the day before Susan was reported missing, Josh had rented a car and drove it 800 miles and then returned it to the Salt Lake City Airport on December 10th. So, and then just a few days later is when police discovered the secret, the secret safe deposit box. So she wrote in there, I have been in, having extreme marital stress for three to four years now. 
For mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a paper trail. He threatened to skip the country and told me that if we divorce, there will be lawyers. Mm. So even more concerningly was that uh, was what people began to say uh, when they asked about Josh. So his own friends even told police that he was controlling of his mm-hmm. wife. Yep. So he also had previously told coworkers how to hide a body in an abandoned mine shaft in the West Utah desert. That's very fucking specific. And Extremely. can I just say, I love a dumb criminal. I love a dumb murderer. I thrive on that shit. That shit mm-hmm. just mm, gets me going. Fuck you, Josh. Fuck you, Josh. (laughs) (sighs) So police also learned more about Josh's background. So Josh's parents, Terika and Steven, divorced due to Steven's violent abuse. Mm. So they learned that Steven had shared porn with Josh and his brothers at a very early ages, as well as he would refuse to teach or enforce limits on certain behaviors. So when I read this, I I thought of that as sex. Sex. Yeah. Sexual behaviors or abusive behaviors mm-hmm. to others. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yep. Especially given the type of person that Steven is. Yeah. He doesn't really respect other people's mm-hmm. boundaries mm-hmm. or privacy mm-hmm. or personhood. Mm-hmm. So. And women are property. Oh, we'll get more into what a uh, fucking nightmare yeah. Steven is. Oh, you're going to fucking it. love him. <laughs> so. As Josh got older, he had also found to have killed multiple pet gerbils, including one that belonged to his sister. Oh, my God. Okay, hold on. I want to pause for a second. I know I keep on inserting stuff about my job, but, like, so when we talk about – we didn't have Mm -hmm. this at the agency we worked at, but the agency I work at, we use a system called CAP60. It's like Mm -hmm. a – it's like – ETO for anyone who's in victim services feel a bit more mm-hmm. like um intuitive. So in that so way, better. it's Much better. better. It, it was it's better. It, it was literally my agency worked with a tech agency in California to develop this system to specifically other agencies use Cap sixty, but none of them have the like. Mm-hmm. It's different for each agency. That's so awesome. So my it is they can go and talk to this person and change things around. Which is like, beautiful because ETO yes. fucking sucks. Like we're actually currently working on something about our disparities that we've been seeing mm-hmm. is that when we serve a very high Hispanic and Latino population, mm-hmm. so something we've been working on is hispanic and latino latinx whatever is not a race technically it's an ethnicity but when mm-hmm. you ask people what their race is they say hispanic or latino yeah so we're working on trying to get that added into the race button even though it's not considered a mm-hmm. race because most people when they say what's your race mm-hmm. they say hispanic because most people don't know what the fuck yeah. their race is but they know they're hispanic anyway mm-hmm. so it's very intuitive but when i'm there's a yeah. reason i'm saying this so when you ask them about your their abuser they also it's like their name their date of birth or whatever like mm-hmm. all their descriptors all the way down to the color of their eyes they ask what color of the hair they have what, what how what length it is and then on the bottom it like before you talk about like um any like tattoos vehicles whatever it says um and it says uh drug alcohol dependency it's like checkboxes drug and alcohol dependency animal abuser strangulation history of violence access to weapons those are the five lethality checkpoints that we try to check off to base so the yeah. fact that there is that animal abuse for me yep. that is rarely seen but when i see it i'm like you are yep. a fucking monster well we're gonna check some more boxes here so oh, love it and he had once even threatened his mother with a butcher's knife okay so we have history of violence check we have animal access abuse check we have access to weapons check we have animal abuse check big so check, we're just check. we're just admitting yes. missing strangulation which i wouldn't be shocked yes. about and drug and alcohol which i also would not be shocked about so we have three of the five yep. and honestly those three to me are big are the big scary ones. things yep so. as well as trigger warning to folks like myself um as well as he himself had also previously attempted suicide oh, so this person as a young person was showing homicidal and suicidal ideations mm-hmm. from a very young age animal abuse 
mm-hmm. and abusing the animals of his own siblings. Mm-hmm. So this is a very and who was being exposed to porn very early mm-hmm. on and had a father that did not believe in reining in any of these kinds of behaviors. It sounds very, um, I think, I'm trying to think, maybe mm-hmm. sociopathic almost, if not it's psychopathic. extremely dangerous at the yeah. very least. I don't even want to figure out or armchair detective that. Just horrible. So adding to police suspicions of Susan having been murdered by her husband was that they found that he that a total of one point five million dollar life insurance policies had been taken out on her without her knowledge. Yep. Uh, that mm-hmm. would be a I, mm, done and deal. Yeah. Done and done. Yep. Case sealed. So as well as Josh, very soon after her disappearance, had liquidated Susan's IRA mm-hmm. as well as very upsettingly uh, at school. Brayden. The younger boy had drawn a picture of three people in a van and told an employee when they were asked who was in the van. He said that the three were him, his brother and Josh, and that mommy was in the trunk. Mm. As well as Charles told the older boy told his teacher that their mom went camping with them, but was dead. Okay. Yep. That's. um, Yep. So the boys were literally telling people at school. Like, yeah, our mom was in the trunk of the car. Our mom is dead. Our mom never came out of the cave. Which, like, mm-hmm. I I know they're young, but, like, that is, yes. to have them saying that, that's not just some, ra- like, no, especially, that's not random. especially with, like, you know that mm-hmm. teachers bond with their students. Like, yes. they probably had never said shit like this before. So the fact mm-hmm. that they're saying it now, like, take this shit seriously. Yep. Take it extremely seriously. So although police desperately wanted to, they couldn't charge Josh with murder mm-hmm. as they couldn't find a body. Yep. So and thing. by January of 2010, uh, Josh. So about a month. So Josh had returned to the home in Utah with his brother, Michael, and packed up the house and moved back in with his father in Washington. Of State. course, doesn't shock me. Yep. So by late 2010, Josh and Stephen had began claiming that Susan had abandoned the family due to mental illness. Mm, of course they did. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yep. So Susan's family vehemently objects to this, and police have found no evidence to suggest Mm -hmm. this happened at all. Mm -hmm. As well as in 2010, SusanPowell.org was launched, and on this website, they claimed that Josh was the victim of a smear campaign by the Cox family, his estranged sister Jennifer, and the LDS church. Mm. So, I have to fucking yell this out for a second. Why does the church care enough about you to make a smear campaign? You're Do not, you think you're that important? You're not that fucking important. Nobody cares I promise you. I love when abusers and like just fucked up people in general get all paranoid and is like, so and so's this is a big old conspiracy. They're here to get me. Mm. Do you think you're so important that anybody cares enough? Exactly. Like you're Do one you fucking think? person. What have you done mm-hmm. in your meager life to make yep. you think that you're worth worrying mm-hmm. about any like worth anyone worrying about? It's outside your immediate friends and family. Exactly. It was like, like as much as I you. love mm-hmm. myself and I would love to be yeah. loved by everybody. Yeah. Like I know realistically two or three people out. They don't give a fuck about who I am. Yep. You know what I mean? Like your friends know me. Yeah. But like your friends friends. They might know of me, but they don't give a fuck what happens to me. No. Like, so what, I would not be like, oh my God, guess what? The church of this state. Yeah. No, fuck Also, you. like, the LDS church has a lot of other problems and are fucked up human yes. beings. I don't think they have time to care about you. No, they don't. They they're have busy more, abusing they, people. They're more, they're more worried about um, Warren Jeffs. Get, oh, sorry. That's the FLDS. Sorry. But they're, <laughs> they're, they're too worried about making sure they exploit labor. Exactly. Like, they've got more important fish yeah. to fry, I Fuck guess. Fuck you guys. 
So the website also speculated that perhaps Susan's disappearance was connected to the disappearance of, junior, or of journalist Stephen Kosher, who vanished that same week. So the website claimed that perhaps Susan was having an affair with him and that the pair of them had run off to Brazil. Mm, I don't think that's right. No. But okay, sure. No, nope, sure, there was literally nothing that ever tied the two of these two sure, people Jan. together. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, fucking dickheads. Love it. So, and of course, because the depravity of Josh and Steven knows no bounds, in 2011, they kept talking to media outlets about Susan's journals. Of course. So Steven was claiming that the journals she had written as a teenager was evidence of this journalist and her falling in love before her disappearance and claimed that some of her journal entries were proof of mental illness. First of all, if you're going to read someone's journals, mm-hmm. like, and try to use that as a means of mental illness. Now, granted, there are some journals yeah. that you read and you're like, okay, you are mentally ill. Yep. But, like, even the way people read mine, like, you would think I had, like, BPD and, like, mm-hmm. I was a fucking psycho that should I write in my journals. Like, your journals are private yes. and that's not meant to go anywhere. You nope. know what I mean? So, like, and even as a teenager, yeah. bitch, if you looked at my journals oh as my a 15-year-old, oh, my God. First yeah. of all. First of all, trigger warning, the amount of blood that are on those pages. Jeez. First the yeah. fuck of all, like, yeah. you'd think I was crazy as shit. I mean, I am yeah. mentally ill. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, you would read that and be like, oh, my God, this mm-hmm. bitch needs to be committed. Like, exactly. The, like, don't take your... She was a teenager. You, why are you looking at a teenage yeah. girl's, a religious teenage yep. girl's journal and being like, she's crazy? She's crazy. Have also, you read like, the Bible? Yeah, they're like, <laughs> this is evidence that she's falling in love with this person. She was a teenager when she wrote them. So how is, did she know, did she magically be able to l- jump through time and write in her diaries literally like a decade before saying that she was in love with this person that guess she what? had never met? I also fucking wrote that I was in love with Andy Biersack, but guess what? That's He's not- married to some Scientology gross yeah, like, stupid woman. Th- hello? Sorry. Lilith Zarp. So her parents sued and a judge then issued a permanent injunction forbidding them from publishing anything from her journals. Mm -hmm. So the judge also ordered them to have to have them either returned to her family or destroyed any already published materials. I'm glad they did that. Yes. That's good. I didn't fully put it in here because I I was actually going to do some more research on this Mm -hmm. so I could be able to like show you the clips that Mm -hmm. I remember watching on the news. But this is also the same time when literally like the Cox family literally couldn't even go to a fucking grocery store without walking out and seeing Stephen and Josh or Stephen in particular standing there in front of fucking cameras and news outlets claiming to God and everybody that Susan had disappeared on her own accord uh, and that she ran away from her family and saying all these horrible fucking things about Susan disparaging her once again and also trying to say that the cox family had made stirred up all this controversy that they're the of ones course. coming after his son and that this is a smear campaign it's a witch hunt like all of this shit dude. like literally they couldn't even go to a fucking grocery store without having to walk out and see this dickhead saying horrifying shit about their daughter fucking ridiculous who they who she had or who he had already abused their daughter when he lived in his house or she lived in his house jesus fucking christ dude fuck this man so on September 14th, 2011, police thought that they had found a burial site in part of the desert where Josh frequently camped. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Susan was still not recovered and mm. they did not find any signs of her having been there. Jesus. So how long has it been then? We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, from 2011, she disappeared in 2009. Oh, so that's shit. two years. Damn. That they still have not recovered a body. Jesus. So, but on September- And he's just been walking free. Yep. Because they can't prosecute without a body. Nope. Because it's very hard to do. Oh, yeah. And it's only now becoming more of a thing that they're mm-hmm. finally being able to prosecute. But 
Utah. This was also 12 years ago. Yes. And, and Utah. Exactly. A very behind state when Church it comes state, to legally. Hello. Yes. The fact that they're li- they were literally most, yeah. like, in recent years trying to have polygamy be legal. Exactly. Like, so, like, yeah. it's it's not the state to really try yeah. a case without a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but on September 22nd, 2011, things were heating up in the investigation as Stephen Powell was arrested for voyeurism and child pornography. Ah, ew. Yep. Gross. So when police searched his home, they found evidence that he had secretly taped numerous women, young girls, and even Susan. So when the computers themselves were seized, they found over 4,500 images of her, all taken without her knowing, some of which included close-ups of specific body parts. That's so fucking weird. Ugh. Mm -hmm. What a fucking freak, dude. Yep. So one friend, when interviewed after his arrest, claimed that Stephen was addicted to porn and was hung up on Susan, Susan sexually. Of course he was. Fucking so weirdo. the assistant attorney general did also name Josh as a suspect in the child pornography case investigation, but no charges were ever made against him for it. Why was he named a suspect? They thought that potentially he either knew about or was consuming the same material that mm. the father was arrested well, they in the same home for, they lived in the same home. gotcha that makes sense okay. yes so they but they couldn't prove without a doubt makes that sense. josh had yeah. seen consumed or was interested mm-hmm. in this material because gotcha. everything was in the possession of steven gotcha makes sense okay yes yep so mind you at this time steven was arrested for child pornography josh and the boys were living in the house with him of course so the cox family like the wonderful people that they are immediately filed for custody Good. of the boys after steven was arrested so they were granted uh, temporary custody but the judge ruled that if josh that josh had to move out of steven's house to regain custody of the boys good yeah they should yeah good that's like the bare fucking minimum yeah good but josh did rent a house separate from the dads but police claimed that he never actually moved out and still continued to live there while pretending that he was complying with the court's wishes i've seen that happen before i've seen that happen what the actual fuck? You're a father of two children and your dad, who you are living with, is arrested for child pornography. And you are you still want to be around this person? You mm-hmm. still want to live in that mm-hmm. house? You still want to have your children in that house? Mm-hmm. And that you don't understand or see the necessity for their safety to not have your children around a child pornographer? No. You, you, no, he's he's a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. He's stupid. Well, we'll get more into it, but it fucking makes me angry because mm-hmm. there is... No, no universe that exists where this is acceptable no, parenting decisions. No, not at all. Not at all. So in 2011, after this occurred, Josh was given several stipulations by the court to regain custody of the boys. So he was court ordered to undergo multiple different kinds of evaluations. Most of these were conducted by Dr. James Manley. So Dr. Manley was chosen to be the psychologist to evaluate him as he had been one of the only ones that could find her that they could find that had not had intense media exposure to the case. Oh, wow. It must have been hard because it was all over. Oh, yeah. It was especially Susan's case Mm -hmm. was everywhere. Everyone was talking about it, especially Mm -hmm. given that Stephen kept stirring shit up in the media all the time. He's a fucking asshole. Yep. Because he's a fucking dick. an asshole mm-hmm. he's so a great a fart sniffer yes he is i hope fucking legos were stuffed uh, stuffed Ugh. up his pee hole jesus christ fuck that man Nasty. so as well as due to washington state's laws requiring that social workers work towards the goal of reunification he was also mm. one of the few that was willing to work under the assumption that josh wasn't lying about his alibi on the night of susan's disappearance mm. so however 
even in doing that and presuming that Josh wasn't killing his wife that night, he still found it a huge red flag that Josh would take a two-year-old and a four-year-old out in a blizzard and that he didn't see anything unsafe in doing mm-hmm. that. Yep. Yep. So in the 2,592-page evaluation, the doctor- Wait, 2,000? 2,000. 2,592 pages. So I've had a psyche valve, not like this, but yeah. like for like ADHD and shit. Mine mm-hmm. was like 25 pages and that was a bitch to get through. Two, almost 3,000. 3, mm-hmm. Holy shit. Almost That's 3, a fucking novel. thousand pages Damn. in this evaluation. So Dr. Manley found that Josh, or found Josh to have adequate parenting skills, a steady employment history, no criminal history, and no documented history of domestic violence. So he did acknowledge and was concerned about the ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. But that was his final conclusion. So wrong, 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 wrong. But we'll get into that. But basically, yeah. Jesus so fucking Christ. he also ended up being concerned with Josh's unwillingness to admit any normal personal sh- shortcomings and being unable to believe that he had any flaws whatsoever. Mm-hmm. He also found that he constantly looked at the boys as extensions of himself and believed the boys to be little Josh one and little Josh two. Yep. I'm not shocked. Yep. So Dr. Manley also pointed at Josh's overbearing parenting style, as well as his persistent defensiveness regarding the case and constant paranoia around the case as causes for concern. So due to this, Dr. Manley did diagnose Josh with having both an adjustment disorder and narcissistic personality disorder. Wow. I, you, I could have diagnosed that as someone who has no fucking degree. Shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. I don't need 3,000 pages to say that mm-hmm. shit. Uh, but during this time, Dr. Manley would be present during multiple supervised or during their multiple supervised scheduled visitations during mm-hmm. each week. And he said that he did find Josh to be putting on a show during the visits and mm-hmm. clearly believe or clearly he believed that Josh was trying to impress him. But mm-hmm. the doctor believed that all in all, Josh and the boys had a very strong attachment and continued on with potential reunification. Okay. Yeah. So, however, many people in Josh's own life disagreed with this assessment and were vehemently against the idea of Josh regaining full custody of the boys. Mm -hmm. So one friend who was also a part of a local club that Josh was a part of wrote a letter to the court asking them to have Josh lose custody. They, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Oh, shit. Someone who's just a personal friend in your life literally writing a court or writing to the court saying, do not let this person have their children back. Oh, that's mm, that 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 really shows. That, that really sh- shows. says something to me. So they wrote in the letter that they came to be to recommend this to the court was because of him showing a lack of concern when the boys were distressed. So as well as the Cox family had found out from the boys that when they lived with their father, they often slept naked and frequently slept nude in their father's bed. Jennifer, Josh's estranged sister, had stated that she suspected that there, were some, there was some sexual abuse occurring. Oh, fucking I was hoping you weren't going to say that shit. No. I was hoping not, but I kind of figured it would. Uh, yeah, no. So, however, it appeared that the courts were intending to proceed with allowing Josh to regain custody. However, in January of 2012, Utah police discovered 400 images of s- simulated slash animated child pornography, bestiality, and incest located on a computer that had been in the Powell's home. 
So the computer was one that was bought secondhand by Susan, but when Utah authorities presented this to the judge for re- uh, for reasons to not allow the boys to be returned, they did mislead the court as there was no substantial proof that Josh had ever seen or was the creator mm. of these images. Jesus. And although these images were concerning to children and youth services, mm-hmm. they were not illegal as they are drawings. Mm. So I didn't fully put it in here, but I did read something that like one podcast that had that was from people who lived in Utah mm-hmm. and like knew this case well and like were kind of mildly connected to it. They said that they were able to track where or find where Susan had bought this computer mm-hmm. from secondhand was like a church sale and that they had met or knew the previous owners mm-hmm. and the and figured out that it was them that were the creators of the mm-hmm. content but they have refused to give in that information over to the police because they say that they have a duty to respect the personal relationship that they have with these individuals mm-hmm. okay pause mm-hmm. if someone you know is a creator i don't give a fuck if it's yeah. like drawings yep. the creator of child pornography or bestiality or incest porn mm-hmm. you need to report that i don't give a fuck if you yep. want to keep that personal relationship that's weird why would you want to be friends with want... someone who yep. is into that and why would you why would you have any loyalty to this person and if for any reason you thought that someone else was the creator of this and not josh and that you're willing enough to say this shit to be like it wasn't josh and to try to exonerate him in mm-hmm. some sort of way why not go the full mile then? Exactly. Because you're full of shit. Exactly. That's kind of how I feel about it. I agree. I I can recognize or say that it is there's a very high likelihood that it could have been the previous owner's content that was yeah. on this computer since it was yeah. a secondhand computer. Mm-hmm. However, there's nothing that says that Josh did or did not know that it existed or had consumed this, as well as it's still just the fact that Josh even lived in a house with someone who mm-hmm. was doing all of these crimes. And was allowing his children to sleep nude, that he was doing all of these weird fucking things, Mm -hmm. and still didn't think that there was anything wrong with living with this Mm -hmm. person after they had committed crimes against Mm -hmm. children, shows that this is a person that is not fit or safe to be around children. Agreed. Agreed. But... And because the Powell family can't stay off the fucking internet, Mm -hmm. Michael, Josh's brother, made a website claiming that the Cox family were abusing and neglecting the boys with the help of Children and Youth Services. He claimed on the website that the police mishandled their investigation and were harassing Josh and that the Cox family attorney... Or so because of this bullshit that Michael was spewing on the Mm -hmm. internet, the Cox family attorney... Uh, however, had the site taken down due to violating the terms of use policy mm. of the site that it went through mm. to be put up in the first place. Mm-hmm. So luckily, a lawyer was also able to in- mm-hmm. do an injunction for that Michael's website and be mm-hmm. like, stop fucking mm-hmm. doing this I shit. I that shit, dude. So fucked up. But due to the discovery on the computer, Dr. Manley recommended that Josh undergo a thorough psychosexual evaluation. Mm -hmm. So one of these tests included him being hooked up to a polygraph machine Mm -hmm. to measure sexual arousal to child pornography. That and see, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. That is a that's gonna be a you can't lie with that you shit. You can't lie about that's that. That's not shit. a poly, that's not like a polygraph. You can't no. lie with that shit. Exactly. As well as like Dr. Manley, if you think that this is a necessity to even do as a test, then I sh- think that you probably hello? know your answer and that if that's a thing that you feel is necessary to test someone for, they probably shouldn't be around their children. Mm-hmm. Or anyone's for that yep, matter. I agree. 
fuck's sake. So some people have speculated that perhaps Josh didn't believe that he was going to pass as to the reason why he would later go on to do what he did. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a pretty good theory. Mm-hmm. Agreed. We're just going to agreed. put that in your back pocket. All right. So on February 5th, 2012, the so on February 5th, 2012, the social worker that would supervise visits between Josh and the boys brought Charles and Brayden to Josh's home for their scheduled visit. Mm-hmm. However, when they arrived, Josh grabbed the boys before she was able to enter the home and locked her outside of the house. Mm. As she was calling the police for help and to report this, the house soon erupted into Jesus flames. Christ. So after firefighters were finally able to put out the fire and police were able to investigate the scene, they found a horrible discovery. So huge trigger warnings here. So the police, the boy's official cause of death was carbon monoxide inhalation mm-hmm. from the fire, but there was evidence that both boys had had significant chopping injuries to their necks from a hatchet. Oh my god! I didn't know. Oh mm-hmm. my fucking god! Yes. Oh uh, my god! Those poor babies. Yep. And so this was 2012. They were two and four in 2009. So three years later. So, so seven and like five. Yeah. So they found two five gallon gas cans in the home and evidence of them being used as an accelerant. So Mm -hmm. police found all of his actions to be deliberate. And they believed that after he locked out the social worker, he had began throwing gas around and lit a match and began to chop out the boys until he succumbed to smoke inhalation himself and was unable to harm them physically anymore. Jesus Christ. That like... makes my chest hurt like just breaks your heart because like the fact and the fact Mm -hmm. that was like it wasn't like he like chop chop and then killed himself no it was literally like he was doing it until his last moment and the kids were also suffering at the same time as oh my fucking god that their last moments were being attacked by their dad who they thought loved them and that they still had some amount of bond with this person who had let's not fuck around here killed their mom Mm -hmm. and had pretty much gotten away with it because they couldn't find the body but their dad who they loved at five and seven their last moments were him physically attacking them lighting the house around them on fire but then being physically attacked still did not kill them and that they had to die of smoke inhalation jesus fucking christ yeah he is the biggest fucking monster on the planet jesus fucking christ dude I yeah. hope hell is real only for him to rot. I hope it's purgatory. I hope it's he gets ripped limb from limb every day, every every fucking day for the rest of eternity. Yep. What a fucking Jesus. horrible person. So Josh had sent goodbye emails minutes before he started the attack. One of which was an email to his attorney simply saying, I'm sorry, goodbye. Another email he had sent was to his bishop telling him how to find his money as well as instructions on shutting off his utilities. Police had found that shortly before uh, this had happened, he had withdrew $7,000 from the bank, as well as donated the boys' books and toys just days before. That, oh, that, like, it's one thing to do the mm-hmm. shit for yourself, but, like, in order to ha- do this for your, like, no, I say do this for yourself, you mean, like, yeah. donate, like, do your yeah. shit, but then to take your kids' stuff, yep. that shows at least a little level of, like, somewhat humanity yeah. and planning. Like, what the actual fuck? Well, the sad part is... is- like most of the time people who end up successfully committing suicide do 
plan out a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They plan a letter. They mm-hmm. say goodbyes to people. Mm-hmm. They that start they... giving stuff away. Exactly, which is why you should pay very big attention to mm-hmm. your loved ones if they start doing things like that, that mm-hmm. those are cries for help, that those are signs that mm-hmm. they – if like suicide should be openly talked about because that's the only Mm -hmm. way to prevent it if someone has a plan Mm -hmm. they are in danger Mm -hmm. if they are planning this out they are clearly ready to do Mm -hmm. this josh was planning this out but he was not planning out a suicide for just himself he was planning to murder his children Mm -hmm. and there were signs that he was planning to do that Mm -hmm. that nobody saw or picked up on i'm just so confused like why murder your children like why do that because he thought of them as extensions of himself jesus and how dare they get to live on this earth and get to live and grow without him because he thinks either that they have no ability to survive without him, which they had loving grandparents mm-hmm. who did care about them and were raising them well without him. That either he was so narcissistic, he believed that these children could not survive without him, so it was better to take them with him, or because he was such a fucking prick that he literally thought of, if I can't have my children, neither can you. That's, which I, I think is more the latter one. Yep. I think it's a, all of it that he is. Because he viewed his family as his property yes. and as his own. And obviously, yep. like, I mean, for fuck's sake, the fact mm-hmm. that when Susan literally said, like, oh, I was planning on, I, I was talked mm-hmm. about divorce and he said he would get a lawyer involved, like, that yep. alone shows that he thinks yep. this is his fucking property. Which, like, to be fair, every divorce has lawyers. Even if it's an amicable divorce, you can still have yeah. an attorney. You need oh, yeah. someone who understands the law to legally divorce oh, yeah. you. But to threaten lawyers or to say, I'm going to bring in lawyers, he was using that Mm -hmm. as a threat to make this a battle, to make this a fight, to make it a bad thing, to make it a drawn out, horrific process, Mm -hmm. that that was his threats. Yep. Ridiculous. given everything planning-wise that Josh had done, the police quickly ruled it a double Mm murder-suicide. So after this happened, police went to the jail where Stephen was being kept uh, while he awaited trial for the voyeurism and child pornography charges. And when they told him what had happened, the officers that had told him noted that he didn't seem very upset about the deaths, just angry for the officers being there in general. Okay. Doesn't even care that his son is dead and that his son murdered his grandchildren and then himself. Doesn't care. Just mad that officers are there talking to him. Uh, that doesn't doesn't fucking shock me. Nope. This guy's a piece of shit, and he probably saw Josh mm-hmm. the way that Josh saw his kids. Yep. As an extension of himself, and as this as is my property. Like, yep. he doesn't give a fuck. Yep. So after Josh, Josh's death, they attempted to question Stephen several times in regards to Susan's disappearance, as they believed that he knew what had happened to her. Oh, and- I believe it. But he continuously pled the fifth. Mm. So Stephen was convicted of the voyeurism charges in May of 2012, and he was later released from prison in 2018, but shortly after died due to natural causes. Mm. I hate that for him. So I'm glad he's fucking dead and that he's off this earth and can't continue to hurt children. But also, fuck you. I hope you suffered. Mm -hmm. And I wish you suffered more. Mm-hmm. So police, however, didn't think that Stephen was the only family member that knew what had happened to Susan. They also believed that Josh's brother, Michael, also may have not only known what had happened, but possibly assisted in the disposal of her body. So police were suspicious when he sold his broken down Ford Taurus to a wrecking yard uh, shortly after her disappearance. So mm-hmm. they went and found this car. And with the use of a sniffer dog, it indicated that there was decomposing human remains that had been in that trunk. They did test for DNA, but they could not get any conclusive results. 
But after Josh's death in 2012, Michael was all they had left for answers and questioned him multiple times. So sorry, who's Michael again? Uh, Josh's brother. Gotcha. Yeah. The one who not only came and helped him pack up the house in Utah, but like helped him do a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. I didn't put in here, but he also was the main beneficiary of Josh's life insurance Mm -hmm. policy. So they were extremely, extremely close. Mm -hmm. Um, But nearly a year after Josh's death, on February 11th, 2013, Michael also took his own life. So, and with that, police believed that the last person who really knew what had happened to Mm -hmm. Susan was gone. I believe that, yeah. Some more positive things to have tried to to kind of come out of all of this situation was that the family's efforts to seek justice for Susan and the boys. So as Jennifer Graves, Josh's uh, strange sister, the one who mm-hmm. believes that there may have been sexual abuse. Um, so her, with the help of Emily Clausen, published a book called A Light in Dark Places, mm-hmm. which is a memoir about the Powell family. So their goal with this book is to help others recognize the signs of abuse in their mm-hmm. own relationships as well in others around them. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. So as well as in 2015, Susan's father won control over her estate from Terica and elena powell so they had wanted to declare her dead and collect her life insurance policy but with chuck winning the suit they were unable to do that good 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 yep so susan's parents has also gone on to sue the department of social services in the state of washington due to their negligence in preventing the boy's death Mm -hmm. so they did win their suit and was awarded 98 million dollars damn good for them dude before the subsequent appeals so more than likely they will not be getting that exact amount but Mm -hmm. they did win a lot of money and they did win their suit um it's still continuously going through the court of appeals anytime you do anything against a government agency you're always going to try there yes you're going to see that's going to be a million and like some lower courts have uh disagreed with the decision and tried to repeal it some higher courts have upheld it so like Mm -hmm. we shall see but Um, The Cox family has also been very active in trying to get laws changed Mm -hmm. and really like they really care Mm -hmm. about the welfare of children. So they've been pressuring the state to pass laws restricting visitation when parents are being investigated for murder, which I think is very fucking reasonable. It should be. Yes, I completely agree. As someone who also understands and does agree to some degree with reunification being the ultimate goal Mm -hmm. of of children and youth services. Mm -hmm. There sometimes it's not worth it. No, and Josh was yeah. not a person that no. never should have. No, because if they would have never mm-hmm. pursued reunification, the boys would still be alive. Exactly. And that's why they're sued. Yeah. One, and it's very clear that that is correct. Yep. Yep. Um, and that I still, although I understand what Dr. Manley was saying in terms of his recommendations within the laws of Washington State, if laws were different, Dr. Manley would have been more enabled to be able to say, yes. I think this person's a narcissist and is unsafe for his children yes. ultimately. Agreed. And that reunification shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, But sadly, still to this day, Susan's remains have never been discovered. And even as recently as last year, there were discoveries of remains being recovered and tested in the hopes of it, of them being able to one day lay her to rest. But since 2009, there has been no real answer as to how Susan died, where her body is, and anything. So they can't charge her because charge anyone because there's still no body yeah so do you think well and plus the main three yeah. people they think might have helped are all dead all dead do you think that so josh obviously took susan with the boys camping quote-unquote whatever yep. put her in the mine shaft do you think because it was the four mm-hmm. tourists was his brothers that, yes so do you think after he did that his brother went and picked her up and moved her i think potentially because um, he knew the kids saw it yes that's what i would think yeah well and they said mommy was in the trunk they mm-hmm. didn't say it was in their trunk exactly so um i think that that's very possible i do think it's very odd the whole thing with the 
the rented vehicle. Mm -hmm. Why would you need to rent a vehicle when you own a vehicle Mm -hmm. and that you dropped it off at an airport? You drove this thing 800 miles. Where were you going? Mm -hmm. What were you doing? Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of questions. I I think what more than likely happened because of like the wet spot that was there, Mm -hmm. that it was on or near the couch. So many people speculate that what had happened was that he did attack her while she was asleep on the couch Mm -hmm. and then put her body into Mm -hmm. the trunk of either his car or, well, not his car, but Michael's car, which I believe maybe he borrowed Michael's vehicle or Mm -hmm. Michael came and helped him dispose Mm -hmm. of this body. But that more than likely she was Mm -hmm. disposed of in the same way that Josh talked about with his coworkers, Mm -hmm. but they just haven't been able to recover or find Mm -hmm. where. Well, especially mine shafts are fucking deep dude like mm-hmm. and they're like yep. you know they're dark they're dusty you know they stuff can fall so like you know yeah. he could dispose of her one area stuff could have fell and then that's yep. it you know what i mean mm-hmm. a, a shaft could have collapsed for all exactly but Jesus fucking she has Christ. never been recovered she's never been able to be laid to rest mm. every person that was involved in this case and that knows the truth are dead Mm-hmm. Her family will never fully have answers, more than likely, so and that two up. little boys were ripped from this earth by their own father, who is the biggest fucking monster on the planet, because he he's a murderous piece of shit Jesus who Christ. thought his whole family were his property. Yeah, it's... I feel like this is a good case, like you said, to talk about how DV mm-hmm. can be very, very dangerous, but doesn't have to be physical to be dangerous. Yep. Like, I feel like it's a very, like, there are some people that, that mm-hmm. I've met that have, like, oh, yeah, he attacked me. And the first time he attacked me, he strangled me. Like, that is, like, a whoa. Well, yeah, that's like, going zero to 100 like, so there, quick. There, I feel like there's two types of abusers. Yeah. One who starts hitting right away. Mm-hmm. Like, punches, slapping, yeah. what have you, escalates to strangulation, mm-hmm. you know, or to physical, like, to yeah. har- like weapons, harm, shit like yes. that. There's another one where it's, like, Josh, where it's just, like, the threats control. of the, the control, the, the threats. threats of physical violence, a possible yes. sexual abuse of all family members. Exactly. And then they snap, and then death. And why are her cases, like, now as a person as an adult who i occurred most of my the violence that have happened to me after her case ever occurred Mm -hmm. so it wasn't something that i understand or knew the signs Mm -hmm. of i was in a relationship very much similar to hers Mm -hmm. i was not there were like one instance of physical violence but i wasn't really in a relationship where there was a great Mm -hmm. deal of physical violence that was happening to me Mm -hmm. it was threats it was emotional abuse Mm -hmm. it was control it was those kinds of things like i had Mm -hmm. someone who is controlling what i ate controlling what i wore who i talked to what Mm -hmm. i did controlling financial aspects of Mm -hmm. our relationship like there were things all of those things were occurring Mm -hmm for that relationship Mm -hmm. the sexual abuse all of those things were happening in our relationship Mm -hmm. i was not being physically attacked Mm -hmm. if i called and asked for help Mm -hmm. i would have been in the same situation Mm -hmm. of her as she was that it was like well there's not physical violence that is Mm -hmm. happening to your person there was physical violence that was happening to objects in our Mm -hmm. in the home yeah as well as Mm -hmm. in my situation there was physical harm or abuse in the sense of objects being physically broken to mm-hmm. intimidate or scare 100 yeah, percent, i feel that but like this is such a scary sad case that there were all of these things that were still showing that this is where it was mm-hmm. going to go that the control that he had that mm-hmm. his father was like the these yep. were people who did not respect or care about yep. another person's bodily autonomy yep of course they're going to think of humans as disposable mm-hmm. if they don't respect or care about a person's mm-hmm. own body like, yeah that's fucking ridiculous it's i'm yeah. This case is ridiculous. And I also like want to point out, like, even though the social service, like CYS in that in this case, like fucked up, mm-hmm. social work is a very dangerous job. Like, yes. I want to put that out there. Like, even doing the job that I do. Which I don't blame this social worker who was not there at all. supervising. Mm-hmm. She was doing or 
I think from what I remember, she she was just oh yes, it was a she. I just didn't put her name in here because I don't think she needs that. Yeah, no, no. Um, but she was doing her job. Yep. She was being court ordered to take these boys to visit mm-hmm. their dad. She probably just the same as we did was like this person is a fucking monster mm-hmm. who killed his wife and is going to harm his children. Mm-hmm. Like any of these things, she probably thought all of these things and wanted to keep them out of the situation, mm-hmm. but had no means to mm-hmm. because her. Uh, the powers that be were telling her these kids had to see their yep, dad. Yep, I completely, yep, mm-hmm. I get that. And there's such, especially in social work, and you know this, like, there's such a issue with mm-hmm. having, like, the, honestly, the lower employees, i.e., like, entry level, mm-hmm. like like we were, like, which shouldn't be entry level, but that's yeah. besides the fucking point, it's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, like, entry level employees having to do this shit and having clients, like, we're the ones implementing this shit. Like, people yeah. at the higher up, they're saying, oh, no, tell this person they can't come in, X this person, give them an expectation letter without like yeah like we literally had to exit someone who got into a physical fist fight we had to tell her to leave yeah. not me but my coworkers yeah. did so you're telling us that we're that getting we- paid this much an hour to tell someone who just beat the shit out of one of our other clients to leave our program and that's have it. no expectations that this person isn't gonna get physically violent exactly we don't search for Hello? weapons we don't search for weapons in our in our, in our safe house we 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 say no weapons, but there was someone who was there with us for two two months and was like, oh yeah, I was going through my belongings. I had a kitchen knife. Here you go, a butcher knife, a huge ass kitchen knife. There's a metal detectors. We don't fucking no. know. Literally, I can be by myself. My coworker be in the bathroom. Yeah. Someone can get pissed off at what I said to them, and bam, bam, I'm done. Like, and even not not only that, but working in a safe yeah. house, working at a DV agency, dealing with abusers, like that's dangerous shit mm-hmm. like you're right fucking there like yep. you don't know what's gonna happen Not and that was all. one of the first concerns that my family had when i told them i went into victim services was like what happens if abuser comes yeah i i don't know i don't know i luckily was not the person there who was present that day but i was told from one of like from someone i cared about who worked in social services that literally was there the day that someone brought their abuser to a counseling session and wanted to basically ask the counselor to be like, oh, yeah, can you counsel us together? Which one, we did not do mm-hmm. couples counseling. And two was like, no, you cannot bring – why the fuck would you bring this person to the appointment? Mm-hmm. Now you've put all of us in danger. There was a there was a woman who was at our safe house a couple months ago who mm-hmm. – she got exited because we saw her – we always tell people to get dropped yeah. off like down the block because where our mm-hmm. safe house is – is more in a city area so it's like down the block is like another building so we just yeah. give them that address so it's fine so it wasn't like our old safe house yeah. where it was like middle of fucking nowhere there was no address you had to have them walk whatever yeah. so she we have them drop off at like a nursing home like down the block whatever so we kept on looking and there was a red truck that kept on dropping her off it was her abuser's truck so we exited oh her so it was the, that same day we exited her that night i was working with one of my coworkers, mm-hmm. and um she keeps on bringing stuff out her and her son and then they have this um other kid who's about three years younger who mm-hmm. this hurt the the client's son and this boy were very close um but the client and her son were white very white probably mm-hmm. wouldn't be shocked if her abuser was very racist mm. this little boy who was 11 was a little hispanic boy okay. little dominican boy mm-hmm. um so she brought her abuser yeah. who has a history of gun violence in front of the safe house to move her shit out and was having another resident son help her that's so fucked and up and we we had to talk to our manager and our manager was like I what I would ideally what I would do is have you call the cops and have him have him move away and have them patrol for you but at the end of the day you guys are there I'm not we know he has a history of gun violence you do whatever you have to do to feel safe yeah having your manager say that to you is fucking fucking terrifying Terrifying. literally having to sit there with my coworker, be like do we try to uphold the Mm -hmm. confidentiality because she's breaking the confidentiality of every other person man woman children child in this building yeah or do we do that and risk a shooting? Yeah. Or do we just let it happen and 
go tell this little Dominican boy's mom that this is happening yeah. and try and to have her in an unsafe position to try yes. to casually get her to remove this child safely to not escalate. Exactly. That's fucking terrifying. It's terrifying. And like where we used to work, I was told a story mm-hmm. of a client who literally had her abuser drop her off at the mm-hmm. safe house like when she was moving in. So the very first day within the first hour of being in this building, they had to kick her out because mm-hmm. she lied originally and said that it was a social worker dropping mm-hmm. her off. It was not a social worker. It was the abuser. I was like, are you fucking out of your tree? Do you mm-hmm. think that you're, we say this is an undisclosed location for your safety. Do not tell it to others so that this person cannot find where you are. Mm-hmm. How do Yeah. So they do not find where you are, but you have them drop you off. Mm-hmm. Yep. We've had that happen before. So it's, it's fucking crazy. It's DV mm-hmm. is such an intricate. It's a very complicated issue. thing. And I don't want to blame victims for, mm-hmm. because it's very hard to have normal processing when mm. you're so like terribly abused mm-hmm. and controlled by another person all the time that it's really hard to have your own thought process mm-hmm. or like just logic but it is very difficult being the person having to deal with the unsafety to yourself mm-hmm. because of other things that are outside of your control mm-hmm. because there are dangerous people afoot everywhere yep. in this situation of where you work and this poor person This poor social worker literally has to walk around every day Mm -hmm. of her life knowing that two of the kids that were put in her care to supervise for their safety during a visit was literally ripped from Mm -hmm. her arms and then murdered brutally Mm -hmm. while she basically was sat outside desperately calling police Mm -hmm. and waiting for someone to come and help her because there was nothing she could have done. If she walked back into that house, she would be dead too. Fucking insane. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. fucking crazy. I just... yeah. What a fucking doozy of a case. Holy it's shit. A very it's very upsetting we're, case. And we're not going to go anywhere up from here. My Sorry, guest guys. case um, <laughs> is going to go straight the fuck down. Almost mm-hmm. worse than this. Like, it Jeez. is insane how brutal my case is. Um, but, yeah. If you want to um, keep along with that. If you want to yeah. hear us talk more about DV stuff. I'll talk more about Ohana Link next episode. Just because this one was already pretty long. Um, and mm-hmm. I want to get more, like... I want to write down my information about it. That way I can Beautiful. actually have a, have a, have yeah. a informed and just like, so just spouting it. I want to like write down shit that I learned yeah. about it. Um, so if you want to look forward to that, listen to more of our episodes, you know, follow us along. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at figures in the dark. You can follow us on Twitter at figures in the dark, but dark spelled DRK. You can like us on Facebook, send us a message, share our page at figures in the dark. You can send us an email with case suggestions, spooky stories, mental health check-ins, pictures of your cats at Figures in the dark podcast at gmail.com. And then you can also listen to us on all major streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Finally wrote that down. Woo! Yeah. Oh, so thank you guys. Yeah. Very sorry. This yes. case was an intense one, mm-hmm. but I really hope we one day find Susan mm-hmm. and that I'm so sorry to this family. Yeah, I uh, agree. Yes. And if you're in an unsafe position, please get please mm-hmm. reach out to someone, talk yes. to anybody about yeah. it. We're here for you. We'll put some yeah. resources for you guys. Absolutely. Thank mm-hmm. you all for listening. Mm-hmm. And as always, beware the figures in the dark. All right. Bye. bye.